Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Be A Lion podcast. I am your host, Teresa Brenneman. This podcast is all about the healing journey. It's all about our experimentation with human design and sovereignty and self-love and ultimately getting into alignment with oneself. I'm really excited about today's guest. I have a slew of projectors that are going to be on the podcast in the next coming weeks. And I think it's incredibly important to empower the projector because truthfully, the world that we are living in right now is not currently designed to support projectors and projectors are magical beings. So although the background frequency of our world is going to shift in 2027 and begin to support projectors more, um, I think it's really important that we know how they operate and the gifts that they have to bring to the world. So I'm really excited to be bringing some of my favorite projectors on the show so that you can really understand what it's like to be experimenting with this from the projector perspective. So my guest on today's show is the lovely, the wonderful Brooke Phillips. She is a mentor and a 3-6 splenic energy projector. She has a defined ego center and I believe a defined root as well. So those of you that are projectors with motor centers will really enjoy this because we get into, you know, the mainstream projector narrative versus what Brooke has discovered for herself in her experiment and how empowering it is to understand how projectors operate when they have motors defined versus undefined because it's a very different experience there's so many different combinations of charts we can't really lump people into boxes even when it comes to types so i think you'll enjoy this perspective uh, brooke refers to herself as a fairy godmother for the strong and sensitive types <laughs> so if you resonate with that then brooke could be a great resource for you, a wonderful guide, and I highly suggest you check out her work. So just a few quick announcements before I hop into the episode with Brooke. I'm no longer doing mini readings for the time being. I'm giving myself a break from them and seeing just how this goes. You know, it's always a trial and error process with entrepreneurship. None of us really know what we're doing in the beginning and I would beg to say nobody really ever knows what they're doing and they're always just trying to figure out what works for them. So I've really enjoyed doing them for the past year, but I much, much prefer the face-to-face interaction when I'm doing readings. And so that's how you can work with me now. (laughs) You can book 30 minutes, 60 minutes, or 90 minutes. And you just book the time and then we can do whatever you want to do, whether it's human design, intuitive healing, inner child work, voice dialogue, just book the amount of time that you want and we'll see what we have time for. Usually in 30 minute sessions, we can't really get into a healing process. So I would say if you want to do a healing process, your best bet is 60 minutes or 90 minutes. If you want to do voice dialogue, 90 minutes is ideal. Um, but with, with 30 minutes, you know, we can really help 
you integrate your human design. I can just give you a lot of information. Um, there's still a lot that, that can be done in 30 minutes. And that's what experimenting with mini readings has shown me. Um, I really would deliver as much information as I could in those 30 minutes. But now I'm just realizing I prefer to do that face to face, at least for now. So... Aside from that, I do have a few coaching slots open now. If you're somebody that is wanting mentorship, that really likes to have their hand held throughout this process of deconditioning and self-transformation, and my work resonates with you, then coaching is a great option. Not only do you get three sessions a month with me, I actually have a few different package options. You can do one session a month, two sessions a month, or three sessions. Um, But if you're wanting that deep transformation, the three sessions a month is great. Three months and we really get into things deep. I really help you integrate your design, the deconditioning process, holding your hand, Throughout that, you get access to me throughout the week in between sessions through Telegram voice messaging. And I've really enjoyed showing up for people in this way and being that cheerleader for you because there is a shattering that happens when you begin this process of truly getting into alignment with yourself. And sometimes that can be scary. Like, I'm not even going to front with you. So having somebody on your team that understands what you're going through and is encouraging you um, and, you know, here to hold space and do healing processes and help you integrate, it makes all the difference. So if that's something that you're interested in, don't hesitate to head to my website and under the coaching tab, you're going to find all of that information. I only have three slots open for coaching clients right now, so if this is something that you are feeling the ping to do, you're feeling called to, please get on it. I would love to work with you. All right, enough housekeeping. Let's get into my chat with Brooke Phillips. super excited to have you yeah let's just talk I mean especially yes. um as a projector I'm sure you have lots of cool things to say <laughs> so I'd like to know just to start how did you get into human design you know when you asked me that I can't it found me which is what a lot of people <laughs> say um Somehow, and I don't remember the first time because the first time it really did not resonate. I learned that I was a projector. You know, you you get the whole overwhelming chart in front of you and like, what are these shapes? What are these colors? You know, all of that is so overwhelming. And um, I looked into what a projector meant and it was like, you got to rest, you got to nap, you got to not work like, like the rest of the world. And I was just like, what the hell? (laughs) That doesn't sound like me. Um, because at first I was really operating as a generator, as a manifesting generator, as most of the world does. And it just did not, the definition of a projector then did not align with who I wanted to be. Um, and so none of it resonated. 
except for maybe just a couple things, but I was like, this is bullshit. <laughs> and I just, just put it away for like a year. Um, and then I really don't remember how it found me again, but I was probably, um, about a year into those little things that happen that just start to like wake you up, you know, like little nudges from your soul almost that are like, Hey, this is not really the life that you're meant to be living. Is it, you know, and it's like little voices like that. And so somehow human design found me again about a year later it was like okay it's not the time we'll try again <laughs> and uh then the projectoriness started to really be like hey this is actually who you are um and so since then that mm-hmm. second time around it uh i've just been kind of diving into it since then and, and trying to embody it rather than um just get all the information i can I know I'm a left brain, but I have learned that I need to, my third line needs to put my hands on it and like try it on and uh, not just read about it in a book, but really live it. So yeah, that's how it found me twice. (laughs) I love it. And I hear that a lot is that it, it finds people because you really do have to be ready for it. And even when I first found it, it was like, oh, this seems fun. Like, this is kind of like astrology. Like, oh, cool. It's going to tell me things about myself. And then it was like, no, you actually have to make pretty big changes in your life (laughs) to truly utilize this information and not not just like buy a mug that says manifesting generator on it and just be like, yay. (laughs) (laughs) For real. Yeah, I was – it was recently, I think, Brayton, it was maybe in in one of his posts – uh, something that Ra said, like human design is for wolves, I believe is what the, that mm-hmm. quote is or something like it. And I was like, God, that's so right. Because it, it is not <laughs> this this fluffy, feel good thing. Like when you really jump into your experiment and you really start to embody the things that you're learning and things start to resonate and align, you're like, I'm going to lose people. I'm going to lose who I was. I'm going to lose a lot in service to who I actually am. And it's not easy. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's really tempting to stay in your not self because you've built life around it. You know? It's 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 scary and it's Absolutely. not for the weak. It's not for the weak, but it is so rewarding. I mean, especially for projectors, I, I feel like it's rewarding for everybody, but I can only imagine I, I've had some close projectors in my life and they just really seem to be I don't want to say lost but misunderstood and it's like I that feeling I mean I I guess as a right being I can understand the whole misunderstood thing but at least as a manifesting generator I can kind of fake it in this world whereas projectors (laughs) it's like this world wasn't even created for you guys and you're here trying to get it to that space to where it can be adequate for you and you can survive in it and thrive not only survive but thrive because there's a lot of projectors out there that are just just surviving right yes so what I don't know what would you say was the hardest part about integrating the fact that you're a projector was it the waiting for the invitation and how how have you noticed that really impacting your life oh that that waiting for the invitation has been 
that's really the thing that I've been working on. And I feel like I finally have a pretty good grasp on it. Um, my ego gets in the way sometimes, of course, but I've been trying to embody that more than anything else. Because once you sort of uh, tune your frequency to that, when you're not getting an invitation, you feel that really deeply. It's like, oh, okay, I'm not allowed in. So I'm just going to go over here. <laughs> you know, this isn't worth my time then. Right. It's like you can almost, what I've done, I feel like right. for myself is taken what could be what could be a disempowering thing, you know, waiting for the invitation, waiting for somebody else to let me in and flipping it on its head and being like, actually, this is a power that I have to give my energy, you know, instead of it being in mm. someone else's hands, it's in my hands. And uh, Sam Zagar was talking about that recently about being an empowered projector. And I think I also have two motors. <laughs> so it's, it may be, I don't know if easier is the word easier for me to do that um, because I do have a good amount of energy. So, and I also have a defined heart. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I'm the shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? You have to come to me kind of thing. Yes. <laughs> so I've kind of flipped it. Yeah. I love it. I yeah. flipped it and be like, if, if you want me, good. you have to come and get me. I'll be here. Yeah. I've, it's not perfect yet. <laughs> um, I, I still do like send my aura into into other people who haven't invited me if I have something to say. You know, it's like when I when I go into my <laughs> desire transference from my innocence motivation, it's like I can feel that. I'm like, oh, I got it. it's like snap, snap. You know what I mean? Let me in. You're going to hear me kind of thing. So interesting. I, I've been toying with this, with the projectors that I work with, um, with the recognized invitation versus mm -hmm. even just an invitation, right? That's like another layer of depth that you start to explore when you're living your design. So yes. I was talking to one of my projectors the other day and they're like, yeah, I just don't get it. My friends call me up and it seems like they want my advice and then I give it to them and they seem to get mad at me. <laughs> like, uh -huh. uh, did they did they specifically recognize you and say, hey, you're really good at XYZ or I know that you have a lot of knowledge about XYZ. What do you think about this? And they're like, no, I guess they just they were like kind of nudging at wanting it. And I'm like, no. <laughs> yep, exactly. A nudge might not be an invitation, right? Sometimes people no. just want to call you and talk at you. And if you don't want that, you have to say, hey, I don't have time for this. or I don't have energy for this or whatever that is. Yes. But or just it's... recognize that that is what they want and not mm -hmm. actually you to do your projector thing. They just want you to sit and hold space. And then you can just be a friend yeah. and not a projector, you know? I, exactly. I have and found, go ahead. Oh, no, go for it. I have found one little trick that works for me to sort of see if somebody is really uh, giving me the invitation or not. If I start to do my projector thing and they say the words, mm -hmm. okay, but then I'm like, ah, okay, you don't. You don't actually want what I, my gifts. All right. I'll just, I'll just sit here and hold space for you and be your friend, but I will not do my projector thing because you don't actually want it. So that's just like a personal thing that I have found with the people around me. If I start to do my projector thing and they say, okay, but blah, blah, blah. Then I'm like, all right, I'll just sit here and be your friend and not, not give you advice, not see deeply into you, you know, not in like a, like a, 
vindictive way or anything like that. It's just like, oh, I don't actually have a true energetic invitation. So I'm not going to put my energy behind that. I'm just going to be a friend here and not a projector, if that makes sense. Yes. I love that. It's almost like a, it's like a professional line type of thing. (laughs) It's like, should I step into my projector hat and be that professional, like professional guide? That's really what projectors Mm -hmm. are. Or do I just Mm -hmm. hold space and be an allowance of whatever is? And truthfully, I'm sure that's much less energy. (laughs) Yeah. Just be a human. And, And I'm sure that's much, much less energy expenditure for you as well. If, if they don't actually want to integrate what it is that you have to say, you can just be like, cool, I'll just sit here. (laughs) Totally. And because I think with projectors, especially we can put so much energy behind trying to guide people and you're just putting that energy into a bottomless pit if, if the invitation isn't there. And so whose fault really is that, you know, it's mine if I don't recognize that they didn't actually give me an invitation. And it takes experimentation. It takes time to know what an invitation actually feels like, you know, because it may not be formal language. It can be energetic. So you have Mm. to be really connected to yourself and to the other person's energy to know, are they really wanting what I can offer or do they just want me to be to hold space for them essentially. And that's on me. I have taken that on as my responsibility to know the difference. Yeah. So it's like a frequency that you're feeling. And I think that's what can be confusing for projectors when they first get into human design is just figuring out what that is. So I I know the notion of the formal invitation can be helpful. It's almost like training wheels. Mm -hmm. And then you start to understand what the recognition Yes. Yeah. It's like yes. you understand what the recognition of the invitation actually feels like. And so mm-hmm. that's your opening. Yes. That's absolutely. so beautiful. Love it. I, you know, innocence motivation is one of the motivations that I am the most fascinated with, not only because it's my yeah. transference, <laughs> but because it's the only one that's like a non-motivation. It's actually, yeah, it, it really isn't any motivation, right? So it's the Um, weirdest thing I'm still playing with it I'm still playing with it and I use play on purpose (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I use that word on purpose yeah have you noticed how it feels when you're in innocence versus desire Ugh, things are just so easy things just happen like I, I can still have intentions I can still have desires of what I want to happen but it's not desire capital D it's like oh this would be cool and so then I but instead of like working towards it I'll like go put on my overalls and go play on the garden go play in the garden and like go pick flowers you know and try to almost be a kid try to almost Mm -hmm. like get my inner child out because the innocence, that's how I equate the two is like innocence, child, you know, what would I have done as a kid just for the hell of it, just for fun, just to enjoy being alive. And so I go do those things. And then when I go do those things, having innocence motivation, it's like the flow just drops in and I just feel there's, there's like a glow almost. I don't really notice 
anything else around me. I am, I'm very tuned in to what it is that I'm doing. And what it is that I'm doing is usually nothing of consequence, but it's fun, you know, and which is, which is a hard left to how I normally am in my life because I have a lot of things to get done. Um, so when I do switch into innocence motivation, it's like a relief. It's like a, a weight off my shoulders mm-hmm. when I remember to do that. It's, it's really still something that I'm, that I'm playing with. Hmm. I love that. It's, it's interesting. Cause yeah, it's my transference. And so I feel like it's more natural for me because I feel like the transference mm-hmm. from the consensus that I've reached talking to other people too, the transference almost feels more natural to us. And so it's a yes. greater challenge to get into your actual motivation. Yes. And I'm very much just like, la, 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 like head in the clouds most of the time. (laughs) And then it's like, oh, shit, I have to show up and be a leader, actually. Mm -hmm. Like, what? Like, Mm -hmm. I have to show up and take a hard stance on something. And Mm -hmm. I need to get into this, like, get my armor on. And I'm just like, oh, that feels so unnatural until I do it. And then I'm like, oh, fuck, yeah, this feels Uh good. Like, I'm cruising now. And, like, people are liking this. And I'm liking this. And... Um, it's like, although I do oh, get awesome. pushback, you know, but it's like, it's, it's okay yeah. because the, it's an, it ends up being the thing where the people that are there for it, they're like really there for it. And then it just weeds out anybody else. That's not actually in agreement with me or you know, not even in agreement. Cause I don't care if people disagree with me, but that's not like resonating mm-hmm. with my message. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is it yeah. easier for you to to get there now, having practiced it? Yeah, to get into I would your desires. So. Yeah, and because I do, I do something called parts work or voice dialogue. Have you heard of it? No, it's really cool. It's basically you channel different aspects of your personality. So, like you know, we have our inner child, we have our inner critic, but you can create yeah. archetypes and just like get into that energy. So that's what I do now with desire. I'm like okay, this feels like a Xena, like warrior princess type of energy. Yes. And so I'm going to get into that archetype and then I'm like, here, I'm going to like write my post or make my video or whatever. And I found it found that it really helps me to kind of journal from that energy or just, yeah, really embody that energy before I create content in my motivation mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. or yeah, just show up in that way. So I love doing that. Oh, I love that. I, I, I think I do a similar thing and didn't know it, especially when yeah. writing con- like when writing content, like what you were saying, I used mm-hmm. to, it used to be so, well, it's still not easy, but it used to be much more difficult for me to write things because I was coming from desire transference. It was like, what can I teach here? What conclusion can I lead people to it's it was almost like a manipulative sort of thing when I was doing it in desire transference Mm. and so now I'm very aware of that when I write things I don't have an agenda um I'm I'm trying to be this is what I think I'm just gonna drop it here whatever comes from it for you what then so be it it's that kind of thing you know Um, Mm. I try and I'm still playing with this because a part of me, I'm a good teacher, but that's not really what I'm here to be necessarily. I'm a role model. And so Mm. I'm six line. So I, (laughs) but I have innocence motivation. So it's like, it's, 
at I it's hard for me to figure out sometimes like which uh role to take you know like which road to go down would would be truly who I'm here to be in in a certain situation Mm -hmm. if that makes sense because it's like okay I'm here to embody who I am but I can't have an agenda about it you know yeah, totally. And I think I think it's the intention behind things. Like I mm-hmm. believe that we're all leaders and we're yes. all teachers, right? But yes. it's what's our intention behind showing up. And so yes. that's what I've found. It's like, yeah, we're all going to lead in different ways and you're going to lead through innocence. And I've seen some people with innocence motivation doing that in a really powerful way. And, mm-hmm. and me as the consumer, I'm like, whoa, like I'm so impacted by it when I can feel that that's, that they're truly in that innocence. So it's almost like, I think some of the words that are, it feels like they are just letting the world change them and showing up open to that experience. Like they're not trying to change the world. They're letting the world change them. And they're just like being really open about their experiences. And it's like, it's, it's so brilliant. My actually, my friend, Sarah, who, you know, from class, mm-hmm. um, she lives with me right now and she's innocence and she's, I feel like she's really kind of nailed it. Yeah. Um, and she just shows up with this. Yeah. It's almost like this childlike wisdom, but the things that come out of her mouth when she's in innocence are just so brilliant. And she's just like, but you know, whatever. And it's like, she's totally yes. unattached about what you do with that. You know, uh-huh. it's just like, this is what's coming out, but like also whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that mm-hmm. kind of yeah. thing. I'm just observing. <laughs> yeah. Not attached to it. Absolutely. I have felt that. And it's like being in that frequency when you're truly in your innocence motivation, there's nothing like it. it it's kind mm-hmm. of like when you are in your desire motivation, you're like, yep, this is, this is the shit. This is what I'm supposed to be yeah. doing, you know? <laughs> this feels good. <laughs> this feels good. This feels right. I love mm-hmm. it. Yes. Such a cool layer of human design. And I've, I've found that, um, I think Jonah Dempsey talks about this, that for projectors, the motivation piece is really important and can like totally change the game for you guys because... I feel like, you know, I'm lucky I have a sacral. It's just like, yes, no, yes, no. And even though I'm emotional, I'm still like, I have this compass. And I feel like with projectors, it's not that simple for you guys, especially if you're an emotional projector, but um, Mm -hmm. it's, Mm -hmm. and I mean, so you're splenic, it looks like. Yeah. I'm splenic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Something I've been, yeah, which is, which is really a, I've been asking, you know, projectors, we can't see ourselves. (laughs) So I've been, this is how I learn about myself is through other people is sort Mm -hmm. of them being a mirror. Um, And so I ask other splenic projectors how they feel their spleen when it talks to them. And so then I sort of tune into my spleen and like get in those same sorts of situations. And it's really Mm. my body that tells me it's not my mind, which is a very difficult thing for me to come to terms with. I'm getting better at it. But like, so for example, this is also innocence motivation plus splenic authority. And it was so cool to, to feel actually happen. So I was in a kind of a bad mood one day and uh, I live in the woods. So I just like put everything down. Nothing was working. I went outside for a walk and I just started walking 
with no intention to go anywhere, didn't think about where I was going, and just kind of let my body go. I would just be aware of what was around me. And I eventually ended up, I think I told this story in class, actually, I eventually ended up at this small pond that was not even on my land, but don't tell anybody. Um, I ended up at this small (laughs) pond that had this awesome ladder that was like 20 feet up a tree that had this little place you could sit. And I'm Shores environment. And I was like, are you kidding me? Something, my body, I guess, my spleen just led me to the perfect spot for me to feel better you know led me to this ladder on the shore of this pond way up high in the trees so I could see everything you know and it was just like if I had thought about where I was going to go where I was going to walk I would have never found it I think and so that to me was like a splenic adventure and it was the best thing ever I love that it was the best I was was just like yeah I was in awe. I was like, wow, how can I do this again? <laughs> you know, how can I like let my body take over and not my mind? Do I have to be in a bad mood for this <laughs> to happen to just like get totally out of my mind and just sick of my own shit? You know, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> <laughs> That's like truly surrendering to form, right? Surrendering yes. to the body and just being It was passenger. beautiful. Beautiful. Oh. That's amazing. I'm Shores as well. And, you know, the story I always tell with Shores is when I was little, I would sit on, there was like cinder blocks stacked next to our cinder blocks wall of our neighbors. And I would sit on there and just look into the neighbor's yard and look into my yard. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Go back and forth. forth. Absolutely. Yeah. Like as a kid, I was constantly like looking out the window. I was, I, I'm pretty restless too. Like just as a person, I need to like go explore things. That's probably my third line, but I need to be by a window. Yep. I need to see, I need to look into my space and then look out at another space and don't even get me started on sunsets and sunrises. Like, Oh my God. <laughs> you cannot get my attention if I'm watching a sunset, a sunset or a sunrise. I'm like, just talk to me in 20 minutes. <laughs> You know, it's, it's <laughs> yeah, like, completely it. yeah, it's like a spiritual experience for me. You know, it's just this completely different masterpiece every single day, you know, and it just blows my mind that we get to witness it. Yeah. Shores all the way. It's incredible. Yeah. I, I know. I love being shores. I used to think it was like when I first heard about it, I'm like, oh, I have to live by the ocean. That makes sense. I love the ocean. I've always mm-hmm. loved the ocean. I was obsessed with whales when I was little. And but now I'm like, yeah. oh, no, you can create a shores environment. I, mean, I live in the desert. Like, oh, come on. I need oh, to create yeah. a shores environment for myself here. And, um, you know, as you can see, I'm by a window. I have to be by yes. a window. It, it's yes. just yep. non-negotiable. Mine's right in front. <laughs> before I knew this was, I took, I took a solo vacation probably like five, six years ago before I even learned about human design. And I went to the beach and every single night I was there, I would go stand on the beach right where the waves would, would like stop and then go back out where the tide would come up and then go back out right on that edge. I would just stand there like for literally an hour (laughs) 
just on the freaking shore, like right there for an hour and be perfectly content. And I had, so when I, when I learned that I was shore's environment, I was like, ah, oh, this makes so much sense, you know, cause I literally love being on the edge of everything, everything. Yep. It makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. It's such a cool little layer to add. That's that's just what is so addicting about human design is oh, the depth. Like you can just, I mean, I would imagine you could be studying this shit for like 20 years and still be going deeper and deeper. And yeah, <laughs> study, then integrate, know, study, like then else. integrate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, I feel like it almost should take you a lifetime. I, I don't use the right. word should lightly, but like. If you're really integrating it and trying to embody it, yeah, it takes a while. I'm only like three, four years into my experiment and I'm uncovering so many things. Like, I feel like I've only scratched the surface. You know, I feel like I'm in this this deconditioning uh, adventure that we're all on. I feel like I have sort of gotten into... um, a different phase at this point about four years in and uh and it has to do with being an energy projector this is something i didn't mm-hmm. understand or really um pay much attention to in the beginning because i was so focused on waiting for the invitation and like integrating and embodying strategy and authority not necessarily um the I don't know if that's substructure or not, but like the different flavors of projector. I didn't pay, pay, any, pay any attention to that. But now having done a bit of deconditioning work, that energy type, like I have two motors and that matters. It makes me different yeah. than classic projectors or mental projectors. You know, so a lot of the um, articles and like rhetoric out there about projectors doesn't totally resonate all the time because like I do have a lot of energy I do have a lot of energy and so but but this these first three or four years I was really sort of like resting from living as an MG and not being an MG you know so like I've needed to rest I've been more aware of my energetic capacity and and integrating the fact that I don't have a sacral and that I'm not meant to work that way. But now knowing that and having rested for a few years on and off, now I'm like, okay, but where does this energy that I feel come from then if I don't have a sacral, you know? So I'm dipping my toes into that, into my motors, into my heart and my root. And I do have a lot of energy. I have some pressure there that isn't bad, that, that doesn't come from conditioning. And for a while there, I didn't, I thought it did. I thought, oh, I still have a lot of deconditioning to do because I feel this pressure and I have to remember that I don't have a sacral. And it's like, I was, I was almost limiting myself in a way. And so mm-hmm. that's something that has, has surfaced in my awareness as something that I would really like to dive more into. And I am because I've seen other projectors mention that other defined projectors who have motors. So that's something I would really like to, uh, you know, research more left brain research (laughs) study. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah, I can totally see that. My mother is a motored projector, energy projector, and my old business partner, I used to co-own a fitness studio, and she as well, she actually has like, I think seven or eight defined centers. So she's like everything but the sacral pretty much. Yeah. And she would just amaze me. You know, she, she was a single mom. She built this business. She was wanting to franchise it out. She'd done everything herself up until she met me. And I, I think she'd been in business for like 15 years and I worked with her for five years. So it was incredible at before, like when I first found out about human design, I was like, I bet she's an MG. Mm-hmm. And then turns out, and I thought I was a projector before because I really? wasn't really living to my full potential. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so yeah, interesting. Was, yeah, just I just resonated a lot with the whole like um, not being able to see yourself correctly and wanting to guide others and really seeing into others in a deep level. And now that I've explored some of the deeper substructure within it, I'm like, I'm feeling cognition uh, and I'm a right being and I'm a two four. So there's kind of some of those layers in it, you know, the two never sees themselves correctly. And mm-hmm. so there's definitely reasons why I resonated with some of that, but now understanding it, I'm like, Oh, I'm definitely an MG. Like I really need to use my physical body and I need to tire my sacral out and all of that. But she would just amaze me. And especially if she was around sacral energy, right? Because then she's like a nine centered being and just Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. cruising it out. But she did notice, um, I think she was around 40 when we were working together. So, and I, and that's kind of when I see projectors start to burn out if they haven't discovered human design yet. You know, it's like, and sometimes earlier than that, right? 30 to 40. Yes. If you're if you're trying to be an MG, you're gonna start having some sort of physical awakening, right? Yep. And that that was it for her. And she realized, okay, if I'm gonna work this long of hours, I need to go home and nap in the middle of the day and split my day into like two parts. Smart. And so she would work for four hours, go home, nap, hang out, come back, work for another four hours. And that actually worked for her. And I think mm-hmm. because she has so many motors, she was able to keep up with that and um so yeah and I can see it too with my mom like I go over to her house and hang out and she can't stop moving she's like (laughs) I need to clean like um, she's like constantly doing things and I'm like well not only is she motored but she's also feeling my sacral energy right now I'm like mom can you just like sit down and talk to me and she's like sweeping and it's just (laughs) (laughs) yes yes I feel that and like I feel like I was listening too much to maybe projectors without motors Cause I, you don't really, people don't really differentiate much right now. I think this will be less of an issue as more people are getting into human design. People will start to differentiate even more. And I can't wait for that because I have learned so much from people's, from, uh, from the books, of course, but the most from people's experiential adventures with it. How does, you know, how does the three line manifest itself for you? Like, how does, you know, like, how does, how do your motors like come through for you in your daily life? Like, I have learned so much through that, through the comments in people's Instagram posts. That is, that is gold. You can find some really good, like, nuggets of wisdom in there. People saying how, well, this is what happens for me, Mm -hmm. or this is how my sacral feels, or this is what my emotional wave manifests as. Like, it's just, I can't wait for that when people, um, just like use their lived experience as study, you know, for others. 
Yes. That's my favorite part of it too. And I think that's why I love having this podcast. And that was my original intention with this podcast was to have people who were experimenting on so other people can hear about that lived experience. Um, And that's, I'm so excited to be connecting with people like you in the community now and have us collaborate. And, Mm -hmm. you know, this is something Brandy Gilmartin and I were talking about how important it is to collaborate in this community because of that differentiation. And I'm so glad to know projectors that I can refer projectors to and whatnot, because Mm -hmm. um, I'm starting to even want to fine tune my work to working with generators mostly because that's where my lived experience is and that's where my expertise is. And, you know, I can, I can guide projectors for like one session and then I'm like, okay, (laughs) you need to actually go work with a projector that's living in alignment with themselves so that you can see how that feels and, and be in their energy frequency because there's some sort of shift that happens when a projector gets with another projector that is Mm -hmm. in alignment and Mm -hmm. actually living their design and experimenting. And it's so powerful to witness that happen. And it's just like, this is possible. You can live your life and thrive and not be trying to be a generator all the time. Absolutely. And especially with projectors, they've got to have other people around them to show them themselves, much like your two line. Mm -hmm. I, and it was just recently, um, I had a, like an energy tune up reading wasn't even human design related with another. She just happened to be a projector and mm. she, yeah, she, it, and it, <laughs> it felt like an activation. Like when projectors mm. get in other projectors energy and there is, there's a true invitation there and a true openness with each other. It can be such a powerful activation for both or just one depending But I had this energy tune up and one thing that she told me just kind of in passing (laughs) was that I had an energetic capacity that I wasn't using. And that was kind of, yeah. And I was like, what do you mean? (laughs) So I sat with that and, uh, and she, she was so right because I have motors. This is where the energy projector thought has been coming up. She's like, you know what? I was like, you know what? You're absolutely right. Like I have, I have energy. I have been trying to keep myself from expending too much energy because I was going by the projector textbook sort of mm. definition. You know, I wasn't differentiating myself enough in order to use this energy from my heart and from my root. And so having leaned into that for this past, it's been like probably two weeks since that discovery. And I have felt like I've just hit another layer of alignment, you know, and it is like, it has felt so good. And I didn't realize that I was limiting myself until I was activated by another projector. (laughs) I was just like going along for years, like thinking I was doing the right thing. And I was. But there's just another layer that you hit and you just kind of level up, you know? Mm -hmm. So I did. Yeah, that's so good. So good. That was actually, I intuitively felt that was really important. Even when I was a human design newbie and I started doing readings, I I would be like, I would tell the projectors that I read for when they had to find hearts or roots um, or even the emotional center, just being like, hey, you're going to feel different 
you're going to probably feel like you don't really need naps, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, kind of, I, I would just intuitively say, don't really read the the stuff about projectors that mm-hmm. you see saying that you're, you know, not energetic and you get, you're sensitive and you get tired easily and all of that. And um, because that's not going to apply to you as much, but I think, I think the big differentiation from what I can tell is just like the sustainability versus like you actually probably seem like you have more energy than an MG, especially if you're around one. Right. But mm-hmm. then it's just like, cool. You can't be doing that for like 10 hours. <laughs> no. Like you're going to no. blast off and yeah. then, you know, do it for as long as you can, but don't sustain it. Right. And it has to be something that I want to do. It has to be something yes. that I can put my full energy behind. And it's a lot yeah. of energy. <laughs> it's a lot, but it's only right. You're right. It's only for a certain amount of time and it must be something that I want to do. So yeah. Yeah. And leaning I'm into so that, you that, that I, about yourself. it has been, it has been game changing at this point because I didn't realize that I was like, I was trying like almost applying the wrong things to myself. I probably should have had a should have had a reading with you three years ago, <laughs> because nobody <laughs> nobody has told me. Well, if you have these d- these defined motors, like maybe it just maybe it just wasn't put to me in the correct way, you know. Like I've known yeah. that I've had this definition, but it didn't it didn't compute until now mm-hmm. when someone else told me that I have energetic capacity that I'm not using. I was like, "What do you mean?" Yeah. <laughs> wait a minute wait a minute honestly the only reason that I I feel like I knew that was because of witnessing the projectors in my life and being like Mm -hmm. they don't seem like the descriptions of everything that I'm I'm looking at and you know I did live with a mental projector for three years one of my best friends is a mental projector and Mm -hmm. she seemed like the traditional stuff like she hated working like physical jobs and um, you know, she just wanted to work for like two, three hours a day and that was it. And she needed lots of downtime, but all of the projectors that had defined hearts in my life or defined roots, I was just like, you guys seem more like me <laughs> like Yeah, wanting to get hands on stuff and really just yes. use your body. And yes. so it's, it was more of an observation. And then I started mm-hmm. looking into the motors and really realizing their function and how they create energy in your physical body. And mm-hmm. so I think that's a huge game changer. And I think there does need to be more different differentiation in the projector community yeah. in terms of the, you know, unfortunately, a lot of the information that's out there is what we call quote unquote pop HD, right? And so yes. With just the simplistic understandings, you're not going to get that. You're just going to get the canned projector response. Right. Um, but I, I do believe that if people go into source material type stuff, then they will find that differentiation. And and just like how we differentiate manifesting generators, I feel mm-hmm. like projectors mm-hmm. should be differentiated in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was it, I think, yeah, it was definitely Brayton a few months ago, probably at this point, who had that post. Mm-hmm like breaking down every single type of projector you could possibly be. And it was like so many adjectives, you know, but it's like that it's true. And every single type, like subtype is different and, and shows up in the world differently. So we can't really, 
just slap a label on everybody and like, this is what you should be like. And I, like we said earlier, I really love that more people are getting into this now. More people are wanting to dive deeper into it um, to, to, you know, especially like with the profile lines and stuff, there's so much wisdom in that. When mm-hmm. I, when I realized what being a three, six meant, like, I don't know. It was just, wow. It was just like a, ah, like a, just a realization, like a light turned on. You know what I mean? Like this Let's is. Let's go there. That's true. Yeah, dude. Okay. <laughs> what does being a three, six mean? <laughs> oh, well, I don't feel like I made a whole bunch of mistakes, but I feel like I did a lot. Um, mm. I did so much. I could not, I could not just, just be one thing. Like I had seven or eight different majors in college. Um, I wanted to be a teacher. I wanted to be a nurse. I wanted to be a psychologist, a social worker, but all <clears> of them had the undercurrent of helping people, which was my six, mm. my like, and I've always been somebody that my friends come to, even my family comes to for advice and to just like hold space for them. I've always been really good at that. It's just, just part of me. I don't do anything for it. It just is. Um, yeah. And I, I really actually enjoy being that for people. It makes me feel very fulfilled. Um, but my three makes me an explorer. <laughs> and like, I, I never really, uh, the martyr word I got stuck on for a while, but I'm not anymore. Um, mm-hmm. I don't like sacrifice myself at all. I just, I explore. I like the explorer moniker better, you know? Mm-hmm. I um, I was a bodybuilder for a while. Then I was a yogi. Um, I was like a nature enthusiast. I went hiking in Nepal, and just like doing all these different things. Like I've I've tried different types of relationships, different uh, you know, just like different passions in my life. I've gone down so many different pathways, just like trying things on to know if I actually, if that was actually part of me, if it, if it should be part of my life or not, because I realize this is the thing from the three that I have learned about myself and that I am continuing to learn is that I can read books all day and like have the information, but I cannot get the wisdom from it. In order for Mm. me to truly learn something, I have to go and live it and try it on like a costume, you know? And the thing that really made that come home to me is my husband is a one three. So he is an investigator through and through. He used to be a cop (laughs) and he was going to be a detective and he was so, so good at that and still is like, I've called him Iron Man because he can just learn the encyclopedia overnight. Like brilliant. (laughs) He's brilliant, but I don't have that. I'm brilliant too. Just not in that way. So he can read about something that he's interested in and just know it and be able to do it perfectly. I can't. I can read the information and then I'll I'll fuck it up if I try to do it the first time. But then the second time it'll be perfect, you know, because I've had to put my hands on it. And I don't I don't really like I don't like beat myself up about that anymore because that's just how I learn. That, that has been like a, a mantra for me. 
this is how I learn. If other people try to rush me or tell me I'm doing something wrong, I'm like, no, this is how I learn. You maybe learn something different, Mm -hmm. but this is how I learn. So leave me alone. (laughs) Yes, I love that. Yeah, the Mm -hmm. threes in my life, I'm always like, yeah, you're not really meant to take advice from other people. (laughs) Uh Like if if somebody's watching you do something and they're like, no, do it this way. They're just going to do it how they need to do it. And yes that's fine. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. It's fine. And I really hope that as people dive deeper into their design, they come to terms with that. We are all designed to learn differently, to show up in the world differently and to like have this, almost this bubble around you of like, I know who I am. I know what I'm here to do. I know what my mechanisms of learning are, let me do them, you know, just Mm -hmm. let me do it my way because this is the only way I can do it. And so I hope that people can use human design as like a, not like a suit of armor in a negative way, but like, just let me do my thing. This is the only way I can do it. So back off kind of thing, you know? Yeah, exactly. I think Mm -hmm. it really eliminates the need to outsource authority because it's just like, there's nothing wrong with the way that I'm moving through life. And if I'm in alignment with myself and everything feels good and Mm -hmm. why do you need somebody else to criticize the way that you're doing it? Right. Yes. Yes. And I think, do you have a defined heart? I don't, I'm completely open there. Okay. But you have individual circuitry, right? I do. Yeah. Mostly I think I'm like 49% individual circuitry Mm -hmm. or whatever. Yeah. I think it's maybe more, and this is just a hypothesis. I don't know. Just from seeing people Mm -hmm. with undefined hearts or who don't have individual circuitry, maybe other things too, but it's harder for people with undefined hearts or who don't have individual circuitry to take a stand for themselves in that way you know, to sort of be like, actually, this is who I am. And you're not going to change that. You're not going to influence me to be different, to be like you, you know, and it's, it's hard. It's definitely harder for them. I would agree with that actually, because I mean, I found human design three years ago Mm -hmm. and I studied the shit out of it, but I wouldn't say I actually started implementing the way I am now until I mean, truthfully, really implementing it maybe six Mm -hmm. months ago, maybe a year ago, if I'm being generous with myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And I would, it's like, I would dabble in it. I'd be like, oh, I need to wait, you know? And I was pretty good with the whole strategy of responding and not initiating. Sometimes I would still initiate and then I'd quickly learn that was not going to work for me. (laughs) But as far as being, and like, I would wait things out, but as far as like, I would only do it with big decisions, really. Now, I'm like, if somebody invites me to lunch, I'm like, hey, can I see how I feel that day? Like before, and I think this is the undefined heart thing, I would try to make promises and try to commit to things. And then also being an emotional being, I can't really ever commit to things. It's kind of just like, I need to see how I'm feeling that day. I don't know. Um, This is a loose commitment. (laughs) Uh So Uh yeah. And and just that, I think, you know, I'd already been experimenting and primed myself enough to just like implement it pretty quickly by the time I I understood that on a deeper level. But it's just crazy. Like now that I've really committed to it, I'm like, 
this mm. is actually where the juice is. This is what's life changing. And that's the good. I stuff. will say the undefined heart component of it is is probably my biggest pain point, just because I feel like I need to make promises to people, and I feel yeah. like I need to prove myself. And so sometimes that involves me wanting to change how I operate. And it's just mm. like, dude, there's nothing wrong with you being an emotional being and needing to take time. And and Brayton was somebody that really helped me with that too. Just seeing somebody empowered in that state was like, yes, whew, game changer. Yes. Does he have a defined heart, Brayton? No, he doesn't. But he said he's conditioned like basically it all depends on what you grow up with when you're an undefined heart. And both of my, actually everybody in my family, my brother too, both my parents and my brother have defined hearts. So I was the only one in the family that didn't. Yeah. Yeah. And, but I don't think I was really, you know, I was around my mom the most because my dad worked so much and she, you know, God love her, but didn't really display that self-worth. And it seems like from what Brayton said, he grew up with having, good self-worth around him so he just kind of had that from the beginning right yeah whereas I I didn't see that but my mom's also a projector who doesn't understand herself she's like Mm. now just learning about herself in that way so Mm -hmm. I get it and Mm. I understand the challenges there because people can be defined in the heart space and still be unbalanced right still not have that self-worth it's it's us that picks up on that and Mm -hmm. then reflects it Absolutely. So that, yeah, it's been a challenge, but I, this has been like the best year in terms of doing that for me. So, um, beautiful. That's a, that's a really interesting observation that you make about that. And I would definitely agree. Yeah. So question, um, Mm -hmm. since you have been really trying to embody your design the past six months to a year, how have the people in your life changed have they noticed you changing have they brought that to your attention how how's that changed for you yeah people have just said that I seem more relaxed I seem more comfortable within Mm -hmm. myself Mm -hmm. um I don't let people down anymore because I'm much more direct I feel like before Mm -hmm. I was very passive about things I would just be like ah like I don't know I would just say yes to things I also have gate 29 which I think they call like the slang for it is the yes man or the game oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, um, yeah. So I used to just say yes to everything. And then I'd just be like, oh, I don't really want to do that. Um, so just a lot less um, altercation, I feel uh-huh. like. A lot back, less backpedaling from me because I'm just outright and honest from the beginning. And I, I used to have issues with being like passive aggressive and um, – just not being really forthcoming with my emotions and how I feel. And so now I'm just like so honest with my emotions and I'm just putting it all out there for the world to see. And uh, so I'd say that's the biggest shift. My circle has gotten much smaller. I do have to say I'm a two, four. I had a huge network before. And Mm. since I started really living my design, it's just like whittled people down and I don't care. I'm just like, doesn't mean I don't love those people or have love for them, but they don't need to be in my life if they're not supportive of how I operate or it's not even that. It's just like, they just kind of fall away and you're just like, Oh yeah, whatever happened to that person? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not, um, they just yeah, stop. They just like stop resonating with who you are. That has happened to me a ton. 
And like, Mm -hmm. I really, and some people can have, there can be hard feelings about that, but I don't think there needs to be. It's like, I don't know. I, I just have love for everybody who has been in my life and who isn't anymore. You know, it's like, I have changed. They have changed. We should allow each other to change because if we're Mm -hmm. not evolving and growing and we're trying to keep each other the same, it's just, you just keep each other stuck, you know? And that's not love. Yep. Like that's not being a friend. And even if that means I'm not in their life anymore, that doesn't mean I can't still love them from over here, you know? Oh yeah. I I just, I kind of wish that, that more people practice (laughs) non-attachment. A little bit of Buddhism in there. Mm Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree because I've found that whenever somebody falls away, it's kind of like I send them off with love and then somebody new comes in and I've, I've really started to develop the whole quality over quantity with people in my life and just being like, I would much rather have really high quality, authentic interactions with people Mm -hmm. versus a high number of surface level interactions with people. And that's totally okay. You know, that's what works for me. So, and I think that is partially that four energy because the four profile likes to know people deeply and likes to develop their network. But it, we're, it's almost like we have this built-in filter where only the people that are going to be bringing me opportunities. And by opportunities, I mean growth. I mean connection. I don't just mean like a job opportunity, yeah, right? right? But it's like I, I have this automatic filter of like, no, you're right for me or no, you're not right for me or yes, you are. So mm. it's been interesting. So you automatically know like when you first meet them? Pretty much. And I think Ooh. it's also some feeling cognition. So I'm just yeah. like I get a feeling and I'm like, yeah, this is going to be – this isn't going to be good. Uh-huh. <laughs> or, or it's just like – I wouldn't say it's not good. It's just a general disinterest in that person. Yeah. I'm just like, eh. I don't really care to get into a conversation with them. Right. I don't really care to know them. So can you explain that at all? Like through your mind? Can you explain that feeling when you just like the disinterest? Do you have you like sort of dived into that? And can you figure out where it comes from? I think it might even have to do with my sacral because when I first meet somebody who is I can tell we're going to have a connection. I can tell we're going to get along. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel excited about them. I'm like, I want to mm-hmm. ask them questions. I want to mm-hmm. chat. I want to, I, I want to get to know them deeper. I want to know what makes them tick. I, you know, it's like, I just have this curiosity yeah. about them. And yes. I also have the channel of curiosity. So it's like mm-hmm. all these things in my chart light up when yeah. there's somebody in front of me who I know is going to bring me opportunity in some form yeah. or fashion. Um, and it, yeah, it's, it's, I would say it feels similar to a sacral yes when I first meet somebody like that. And um, yeah, there's just a general like feeling drawn to them. That's how I felt with you and Brandy, who I, I like kept talking to both of you from class. It was like, oh, like I can see these two people, like I could see them in my life in some way, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh, that feels so good. I'm so freaking glad that I went to that class because I have <laughs> I love it. all of you guys like it's it was a it was a splenic yes and I don't get those often usually yeah. I'll get a no and it's a no but if it's not a no it's like all right we'll try it you know but with that <laughs> class it's like I need to be in there you know and I'm, yeah. I'm really glad that I did that was like a 
that was like a first sort of commitment to this human design, uh, like next level of the journey that I've been on as far as like really diving into it and using the system in service to my clients and in, in my world, you know, cause I, I really, oh. there's so much value in it. I, I cannot stress that enough to people. Yeah. I don't care. That's I don't so care good. that it, that it originated from a freaking voice to this man in a visa. <laughs> I don't care where it came mm-hmm. from. I mm-hmm. care what it can do for people and what I have seen it do for myself and for literally millions at this point of other people, yep. how it has changed their lives for the better. So I don't need to explain its origins, you know? I, I just don't feel the need to I prove anything so in that way. Maybe that's my defined heart. I don't have to prove why I want to use it. You know, I just look, <laughs> look at, look at the proof it, itself. You know what I mean? It's lots of transformed yeah. people who are living in alignment and so much happier mm-hmm. for it. I feel the same. I feel like before, of course, undefined heart, I used to feel like I needed to prove that it worked or be like, mm-hmm. but, but all these things. And now I'm just like, Oh, if you don't, if you're not interested in it, it's actually not for you. So that's cool. Don't need to prove it. Um, And it's so funny because my dad is kind of one of those people. And I would say he's always supportive of me. But as soon as something crops up where it's like he disagrees with it, it's like he writes it all off. Mm -hmm. So um, it's kind of interesting because it was like one little thing happened. He was super into it and he's like taking notes and, you know, he can't be more true to his chart. Like he's a two, four MG, just like me. Um, he's quad left. He's, he's 74 years old and he's still learning. He's a psychologist. He's brilliant. He like, he still goes to seminars and workshops and like he has the Jack of all trades channel and he's always like tinkering around the house and just learning how to do everything. I'm just like, yo, you cannot be more true to your chart. (laughs) But then like one little thing comes up and he disagrees Mm -hmm. with it. And he's like, well, how do you even get this information? It's from your birthday. (laughs) Like you you could just make that up. Like that could be from anywhere. And I'm like, whatever, then I don't care. (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) Like I don't care. He's somebody who I've always like sought his approval. So for me to just be like, I don't mm. care. You can not agree with it at all. Like this is just my life's work, like no big deal. But right. <laughs> you know, it's fine. It's fine. Don't so worry I'm, about like, it, that's Dad. how I know. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, that's how I know I'm like deconditioning my undefined heart when I'm like, I don't care. You're fine. Hell Do yeah. It's good cool. for you. What well, an opportunity. Yeah. What an opportunity right? to really like use your undefined heart, use the gifts that comes with it. You know, and it's like, Mm -hmm. that's like a mirror. Like, have you learned anything yet? We're going to give you, we're going to let you face your dad's disapproval. How will you handle this? (laughs) You know? All right. Let's, let's see what you've learned. (laughs) That's what it felt like. My mom's like, you don't care that he like doesn't agree with it. Do you? And I'm like, I actually don't. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So good. It's like you hit a checkpoint. I love it. In your life. Mm -hmm. Like, Yes. I integrated it. Yes. You know, don't need daddy's approval. All yes. good. <laughs> All right. What other childhood so trauma cool. is next? You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Come at me. Come, Come at, at me, me bro. <laughs> I love that. That's how it feels like sometimes in this universe, like just For how real. this holographic universe seems to operate where everything's a mirror. It's just like, dude. All right, cool. Like next level. It's like a video game, especially with human design now. It's like, cool. Here's like all your skill sets and like go out into the world now go out into the video game and 
you're gonna yes. battle this boss and then you're gonna battle yes. this boss and you're just Dude. it's so in- it just makes it so fun it makes life so fun i feel like this book like any of these human design books the one i'm holding is human design the science of differentiation <gasps> gold mm-hmm. i feel like these are this is just a book of cheat codes one. this is just cheat yes. codes for how to That's live exactly in the world right. as yourself and to get everything you ever want <laughs> you know what i mean it's, yeah it's like, like oh, you want to make your that, life easier here you go there you go. It's right. It's all out there for you, you know? And mm-hmm. I really feel, don't you feel like we're living in a movie a yes. little bit, especially these Absolutely. past, since like 20, early 2020, late 2019. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. it's clear that I'm living in a movie. So let yep. me just gather all the information I can about myself and about my character <laughs> and then be the best character I can possibly be. Play the best game I could possibly play, you know, like it's up to me to do that. Nobody else is going to do it. So it's almost like this sense of responsibility. So like I pull, I try to learn different things about myself from different systems so that I can use it to help others. So human design is one of those things. Previously, the Myers-Briggs was um, astrology a bit, Mm. different, different psychology texts. So I pull different truths that I have found from all those different sources and bundle them into my own system in a way that I'm still putting together. And then I use all of that to help other people. It's like, here, this is what I have found works for me. Maybe some of these things could work for you too. You know, so it's like the role model Mm -hmm. and innocence that I have found a way to make work together. In order to get oh, through this so movie cool. that we're in. Well, let's... <laughs> yes. Well, I'd love you to share like what you love helping people with and kind of what your business is about and, you know, how yeah. people can work with you. Um, I uh, technically am a life coach, but I've never resonated with that, with that label. Um, that is like the... none of us really do. No, <laughs> no, I don't like it. Um, so I use the word mentor. Mentor feels better. Um, but I have an undefined G center. And so one word just won't do it. (laughs) One label just ain't going to do it. Um, nope, no, nope. But really what, what I have discovered about what I do best. And I have aggregated this information from my clients and people who know me deeply is that I am a transformational guide. So I, with the invitation from the other person, I activate my projector gifts and my INFJ gifts and all of that stuff with their consent. And I see deeply into them and get to a very vulnerable place. And then they trust me to help guide them through either specific situations in their life, like, or certain themes or, really anything that they have issues with. That's why I can't really like narrow it down. Every single person is different. Every single person needs something different, but I can use my same gifts in order to help guide them through whatever roller coaster they're going through or whatever themes Mm -hmm. they just can't seem to get to break free of whatever negative thought loops or negative, like not necessarily childhood trauma, because that would be, that would be therapy. But it's helping them see themselves and seeing how actually they've had 
the power all along. I just help them uncover Mm -hmm. that, you know, and I think my defined heart really helps that way. I was just writing this post and I was like, I have zero qualms about conditioning other people with my defined heart in an empowering way and with their consent. Like Mm -hmm. it fills me up to see other people realize that they have had the power the whole time. Nobody else outside of them has it. And like, cause I realize mm-hmm. that for myself, if I can share that realization and like light those little embers on fire. So it becomes this like huge conflagration. I'm like, yes, now go be in the world as yourself and fucking rock it. You know, that's what I do. <laughs> that's what I do. That is I try, so good. I try to take people from their limiting beliefs their small selves that they think they are and like like just get all of that crap away from them get the shining nugget of who they are that's deep under the surface and be like here this is who you are now go build on that and be an amazing freaking person be exactly who you're supposed to be and be unapologetic about it so good I get really hype about it I get really (laughs) hype about it I love it because I just because it's like everybody deserves to feel that everybody deserves to feel like like their true selves and it's almost like we're fighting an uphill battle you know with all of like the different Mm -hmm. societal narratives the different cultural beliefs all the bullshit that is that is toppled on top of us it's just like, no, let's get that out of the way. Let's do that together. Let's just, let's just move it, you know? And then they can like, it's like they're a phoenix rising from the ashes. And then mm-hmm. you go freaking fly. You go fly and you do your thing. It's mm. so beautiful. Ah, I, I feel like that's such a good place to leave off. And yes. I'm so happy that you came on the podcast. I, I There's so much more I want to ask you. So I, I know, would love dude. to invite I'll, you I could talk for, to you like, for hours. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. This is what happens when like a left meets right, you know? It's like we just like click into each other. I love <laughs> like, it. Boop. I love it. So good. So yeah, like now let's do this again and we can talk about cuz there's like I'm just thinking of all these things off the top of my head that I didn't get to ask you but mm-hmm. that we could do a part 2 on and it could be really I'm dope. So, down. so thank you so much for how the invitation. Can people find you, Brooke? Um yeah. I am on Instagram, Brooke B Phillips. Uh, two L's in that. Um, www.brookbphillips.com. It's pretty easy. So those are the two places that I am mostly, except for in my garden. <laughs> That's where I am mostly. <laughs> also in the garden. Also in the garden. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. I love it. Well, I will link that in the show notes so people can easily find you. And awesome. um, I feel like you're, I mean, I've never worked with you, but just being in your energy for the last hour has been such a treat. What a dream. What a treat. So Anybody you, who Teresa. feels like they need guidance and wants to be their badass self, like reach out to Brooke. Thank you, lady. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you. Mwah. <laughs> Kisses. <laughs>